Good evening. evening. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us this evening. Sin brings a heavy heart. On Valentine's Day, we talk a lot about hearts, but tonight we come with heavy hearts because of our sin. Hearts torn with grief over our sin. Hearts that only the Lord himself can mend. As we lift up torn hearts to him, He restores them. He washes them clean. As we look to our Savior's cross tonight and throughout the season of Lent, we'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed out for you in the worship folder and projected on the wall, beginning with Jesus Sinners Does Receive. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus took his disciples aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. During the season of Lent, we follow Jesus to the cross to learn once again the tragic cost of our sin and also the rich grace of our Savior. Let us confess our sin to the Lord, who does receive penitent sinners with pardon and salvation. 
Surely we were sinful at birth, sinful from the time our mothers conceived us. We were born dead in trans trespasses and hostile to you. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have defied your laws and ignored your just anger. We have done wrong to you and to each other. We have set our hearts on money and material possessions more than on the treasures of your word and your kingdom. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have cursed and called out profanities while neglecting prayer and the proclamation of your name. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have wasted days and weeks on our own empty pursuits. We have avoided opportunities to serve you and those around us. We have hated and held grudges rather than showing kindness and compassion. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have used our words to deceive others and destroy reputations when we should have built them up and blessed them. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have dishonored the authorities set up by you in our household, church, and nation. We have defiled ourselves with lustful thoughts. Because of the sin we inherited and the sin we have acted out, we deserve death here and hereafter. We repent in dust and ashes. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Lord has been merciful to us and has demonstrated his love for us at just the right time while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We have now been pardoned by his blood and saved from God's wrath through him. He has risen from the dead as proof. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, you never despise what you have made and always forgive those who turn to you. Create in us such new and contrite hearts that we may truly repent of our sins and obtain your full and gracious pardon. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. In our first lesson from the book of Joel, that book describes a locust plague, terrible, that affected the entire land of Israel. Crops were devoured, nothing was left, everyone was in distress. That's actually a great picture of the plague of sin that has come over our entire land. It affects everyone. So the urgency, repent, even now. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem.
Our second lesson is taken from Revelation chapter 3. Some things in life come up when you least expect them, and it just rocks you. Kind of like a thief in the night that the Lord talks about here. And so he says, be ready. Be ready every day. Repentance is now. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson for this evening from Matthew chapter 26. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. 
you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Crucified One. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon, the Gospel from Matthew 26. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So what did he do? What can we say he did? Who can we get to say what he did? We've got to figure this out. The Jewish leaders were stuck because they had plotted and schemed. They had bought a betrayer off. 
They had sent a detachment of soldiers to go and haul Jesus in, but they weren't sure what to say that he did. They needed testimony. Testimony is so important because it establishes charges, it establishes truth, and it gives guidance into what's going on. They needed testimony. This Lenten season, our series theme is God on Trial. In a world that people continue to turn away from God more and more, it seems like God is on trial and they're just looking to condemn him. But it also often feels like God's people are on trial too. And so as people look for testimony, as, as people look for evidence, what people say, sometimes there's bad testimony. Testimony that, that falls apart, crashes, and collapses. And so the Lord encourages you and me this evening. Look for testimony that stands. The truth that stands over lies and knowledge that stands over denial. The Jewish leaders were looking for false testimony over Jesus. And so they called all kinds of false witnesses forward. They hated Jesus. They were jealous of him. They wanted him dead and done and out of the way. It said in the Old Testament that you needed to have multiple witnesses, multiple people with testimony in order to establish a truth and convict someone of a crime and for someone to be able to put to death. Yet that didn't work. There was nothing that these false witnesses could agree on. Their lies, they fell apart. It's futile to try and discredit Jesus. Lies will always eventually crumble and come crashing down. Yet it doesn't stop the world from still trying today. The world is still looking to put Jesus on trial and try to discredit him. If Jesus really were in control, then bad stuff wouldn't ever happen, would it? He's not real. Look at sin. Sin, when it happens in churches, you can't trust anything that ever happens there. Modern science has disproved all that Jesus talk. We need to put that to rest. If one Christian lets me down, that's reason to never look up to Christ again. Or followers of Jesus haven't been worthy, what's been done in line with Jesus' name must be worthless too. All these lies that ultimately seek to attack and take down Jesus they start rattling around in our heads, too. Lies looking to discredit Jesus. But they won't stand up. They will come falling down, along with every other lie. We look for testimony that stands. And there was one thing that those witnesses could agree on in Jesus' trial. They said, he said he was able to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. 
Now, Jesus had said something like that the first time he drove the money changers out of the temple. But it wasn't exactly like that. Those two witnesses who agreed at Jesus' trial, they made Jesus out to be some kind of villain that was going to tear down the temple built by Herod. So what did Jesus do when that testimony came forward? Nothing. That was false. There's a proverb that says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. So Caiaphas had to step in. Caiaphas tried to take control and figure this out. And he said, I charge you on oath by the living God. Tell us, are you the son of God? So Jesus finally spoke up. He needed to talk here. This was about the truth. He said, yes, it's as you say. Jesus confirmed, yes, I am the Son of God, and you will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming with the Mighty One, sitting at his right hand, coming with the clouds. Jesus spoke the truth, true testimony from his lips. Someone might ask, how do you know? How can you tell that's truth? Jesus is talking about something in the future, something that hadn't even happened yet. Yet we know what Jesus spoke was true. Because of what Jesus said when he cleared the money changers out of the temple. Because it wasn't Jesus who did the destroying. It was the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers. They destroyed Jesus temple, the temple of his body. And it wasn't Herod's temple that got rebuilt. It was Jesus. Jesus' body, he rose again from the dead. Jesus had the authority to lay his life down and the authority to pick it back up again. That proved, the resurrection proved that Jesus' testimony was certainly true. And even though it seemed there at that trial like the Jewish leaders had the upper hand, Jesus has the upper hand because he's at God's right hand. That's the true testimony, and that will stand up. So that's what we should look to. Look for testimony that stands. When the world's lies come at us, looking to discredit Jesus and Jesus' church, Look to testimony that stands. Jesus is at God's right hand, ruling over all things for the good of his church. Even at a time of deep hurt and doubt. Jesus is at God's right hand right now. He has sent his disciples out with the gospel and God's word to every nation to make disciples there with baptism and with Jesus' teaching. Jesus is at God's right hand right now, and he will continue to give gifts to his church, sending pastors, teachers, staff ministers, evangelists, other called workers to build up his church, especially when things seem cracked and hurting. Jesus, the Son of Man, is at God's right hand right now, preparing a place for us where there is no more crying 
or pain or sadness or death. <coughs> Jesus, at God's right hand, will come to judge. He will judge on the basis of his testimony. You who believe Jesus' testimony, his teaching, will be saved. Together with everyone else who believes and is baptized, will be saved. It's only those scoffers and those from the world who continue to attack Jesus and his church with their lies will be condemned. We seek truth that stands. Jesus' testimony will stand even if the rest of heaven and earth passes away. Truth stands over lies. Jesus' truth for us and for our hearts, even tonight. But also, knowledge stands over denial. Uh, Jesus had told his disciples back in Matthew chapter 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. Yet earlier that night, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus predicted, all of you disciples will fall away from me. Peter said, now if, even if everyone else falls away from you, Lord, I will never fall away from you. Jesus said, Peter, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So now we take a closer look at Peter's testimony. How did that work out for him? The Apostle John had a way to get into the courtyard of the high priest. So he and Peter went in there. We don't know what happened to the Apostle John after that. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us until we end up seeing John there at the cross with Jesus. So here we see what happened with Peter in the high priest's courtyard. He was sitting there among the guards. How would you feel sitting among the guards well, Jesus is on trial for his life. Then a servant girl comes up and tells Peter, you were with Jesus. Now, you might think a, a servant girl wouldn't be too intimidating, but again, the guards were there. Peter's adrenaline was high. He denied it. You can feel Peter getting a little uncomfortable, uneasy. He moves away from there, goes over and stands by the gate, and then it happens again. Another servant girl comes over. You were with him, weren't you? He denied it again. I don't know the man, Peter, not even willing to mention Jesus' name, distancing himself from Jesus, disassociating himself from Jesus. And then more people gathered in. Surely you were with him. You're from Nazareth. You're from Galilee. Your accent gives you away. Peter started calling down curses and swearing oaths. I don't know the man. Not just in front of the servant girl, but in front of everyone there. He denied his Lord. And then the rooster crowed. What a condemning crow that must have been. Peter's heart must have sank. Guilty. Denying the Lord. Now it's easy for you and me to look at what happened there with Peter and think, would I have done the same thing? 
How has your testimony been? When someone else asks you why you believe what you believe, isn't our first thought sometimes, oh, how can I change the topic? Maybe we can talk about the weather or about sports or about something else. Or when there are those people that we, we know don't like Christianity, maybe in our office, at work, or in the community, What's our attitude around them? I'm going to stay silent. I'm not going to talk about Christianity. I'm not going to talk about Jesus around them. Or when people kind of lure you in or invite you to go along with behavior or words that you know aren't Christian, and you go ahead and do that anyway, you're not acknowledging at that time that you're connected to Jesus, that you know Jesus, in a sense, denying him. The rooster crows for you and me tonight, too. And now, there may be some fears associated with that. Well, what if someone doesn't like me anymore? What if I lose a friendship? What if I lose my job? Or what if I lose something else? possible that those things could be lost here? Christians in generations past or in other places, they might e- they've even lost property or freedoms or their life. Those things are painful. But consider the alternative. To lose Jesus. To deny him. When the Son of Man comes again with the clouds... To not acknowledge him and he not acknowledge you and be separated from the Lord for all eternity under his condemnation, our hearts fall. Our testimony has fallen short and our heads fall, just as Peter did, falling to his knees, weeping bitterly, Yet knowledge stands over denial. Even though Peter and you and I have said, I don't know the man, he says, I know you. Even though you and I have said, I wasn't with him, he says, I'll stay with you. And Jesus knew all of the pain and rejection that should have been ours. Jesus knew the pressures of knowing what, should I speak up or not? And he held on. He held fast in the face of pressure and temptation in your place. And Jesus knew the cross, the separation from God himself for you. And he won't deny you. He hasn't denied you. There's no doubt about it. He knows you. And he's claimed you. And he's with you. Knowledge stands over denial. Jesus knowing us stands over our denying him. 
So what other disciples were with Peter there in the courtyard? As far as we know, none. So how could Matthew have learned about this incident with Peter in order to write about it in his gospel? Well, the simplest answer to that is Peter confessed. Peter confessed the details of his sin, this tragic denial. And Matthew heard Peter's story. When someone confesses their sin, Jesus gives us the authority to forgive in Jesus' name. And even when there's all kinds of other doubts or denial out there, Jesus' truth stands. Jesus knows of our forgiveness. That's the testimony that we seek. We know that is as valid and as certain as if Jesus were standing here himself. There's no denying it. Look for testimony that stands the knowledge of forgiveness, knowledge over denial. What did he do? What can we say about him? Who can we find to say something about him? There is a need for testimony that stands. So you be that person. Be the one who brings true testimony about Jesus. The one who tells you what you know about Jesus. Tell others, I've been with Jesus. Tell others, I do know him. Let others recognize your accent because you've picked it up being with Jesus. The way you speak, you talk like Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee. Let others know that you've been with him. Jesus is looking for testimony that stands. So stand up and speak out. Because Jesus stood on trial for you, you will stand with him when he comes with the clouds, pardoned by his suffering and death. And because he speaks up for you at God's right hand, you have a place at God's side where you can declare his saving name forever. That's the truth. And there's no denying it. Let's keep looking for that truth. Let's keep sharing that testimony of our Savior together. Let's band closer by Jesus' wounds. Jesus, our Savior on that great testimony. Amen. Please stand. Tell me the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. 
For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. be seated for the distribution, and if you're visiting with us tonight, please note our practice of close communion. <laughs> 